Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Good morning and welcome to the Portland Center for Spiritual Living. Wherever you are on your spiritual path, you're most welcome here. All that we ask is that you stay open to changing your entire life simply by changing your mind. My name is Reverend Larry King. I'm the senior minister here. We're using Pima Chodron's book, Taking the Leap, this month, and we're, we're discovering that sometimes it is our very thinking processes, our very uh, inward nature, some of the habits of who we are and what we believe that actually get us in trouble. And you'll remember last week we talked about the idea of the good wolf and the bad wolf, both being kind of vying for control of our heart. The, the bad wolf, that part of us that's easy to lash out, that part of us that, that wishes for revenge, that, that part of us that thinks that we're remaining hurt from all of the, the troubles we've experienced in our life. And that it's uh, appropriate for us then to deal back out some of that hurt to the world. Also, of course, the good wolf, that wolf of compassion, of love, that wolf that's easy to forgive. And you'll remember the story from last week of the elderly grandfather talking to his grandson. And the grandson asked, well, which is the wolf that that wins? Which is the wolf that comes out ahead? And the grandfather said, the one that we feed. And so today we're going to talk about why sometimes feeding the bad wolf seems almost irresistible that part of us that just can't let go of a of a fight that that part of us that that gets triggered now and then and what we can do about it and and i think i want to start off with a personal story if you don't mind to help illustrate this uh gosh i went to college at university of oregon in eugene oregon and i remember the first boyfriend i ever had he and i decided we'd go on a picnic one saturday when we didn't have any classes and uh, we climbed up Spencer's Butte just outside of Eugene because it has a a gorgeous view of the the Willamette Valley and the downtown area and we'd we'd taken along our picnic supplies you know I think we took a couple beers with us as well as you know the usual potato salad and all that junk and we had a blanket that we put out on some flat area where we found and 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 really it was a lovely day and I remember just thinking how perfect everything was everything just seemed, well, of course, right, young and in love. What, what could go wrong, you think? Uh, so on the way home, though, I noticed that I was starting to kind of itch, especially the lower part of my legs and my arms and hands. And, and, and so I dropped my friend off at, at his apartment. And, but by the time I'm getting home, I'm looking at my skin and, oh my gosh, I'm turning red and itching. And then, of course, I'm starting to scratch. And I realized we probably were literally sitting on a patch right right under our blanket probably a patch of poison oak and so i call my friend and sure enough he's having the same kind of symptoms and i ended up actually going to the uh the health clinic there at university of oregon on campus because 
It was almost uncontrollable. Has everyone here experienced something like poison oak or poison ivy? I think I think back in the east, it's more like poison ivy instead of poison oak. But I got to tell you, the only thing that rivaled that in my life was one time we went on vacation and I got covered with mosquito bites. It was the same kind of thing. Irresistible itch. I still remember the the story that uh, the doctor told me when I went to the the medical clinic on campus. He said that some people will itch and scratch even in their sleep, and that he had seen people that scratched themselves literally raw while they were sleeping. I, I share that with you because... There's something in the East tradition, something in Buddhism, that is called Shenpa. And now, sometimes you'll see that translated, Shenpa, as attachment. But Pima Chodron says it's really being more like being hooked on something. It's almost something that's irresistibly hooked into you, like like that scratching when you feel the itch. And so for her, Shenpa is both the, the itch itself and the irresistible need to scratch it. And so let me give you some examples, because of course we're not talking about necessarily physically being hooked, although it does apply honestly to alcoholism and uh, and when we're hooked on drugs or things like that. Uh, but she's talking more like being hooked on mental attachments to pain, to suffering, to having your life go a very certain way and not wanting to be, have that messed with. It's being hooked on maybe your perception of yourself or your loved ones, being hooked on your life, being in a very precise way. And when you don't get that way, what happens? It's that irresistible urge then to scratch, to, to lash out, to try to bring it back into your own control, to try to bring it back to the way you want it. So it is the itch. It is noticing that something is wrong, noticing, ugh, I'm really struggling with this. I'm hooked on wanting it to be the way it is. And then it's the scratch. It's lashing out. It's doing whatever you can to other people and, and, uh, and even people that you love to try to bring them back into control. You, you want things to come back the way they are. So, so that is this idea of Shenpa. But I've also heard it described as having your button pushed. Is everybody familiar with having your button pushed? I noticed, gosh, maybe about 10 years ago that when anyone questioned my honesty, uh, I would really kind of get heated up about it. And I, and I remember thinking, well, where did this come from? Where did this idea of being inflamed if someone questioned my honesty or integrity, where did that come from? And I had to remember back, gosh, I want to say I was maybe seven or eight years old, and my best friend and, and neighbor, Johnny Nye and I, we had been sent over to a friend, Mrs. Moore's house. Uh, I don't know, our parents were off doing some crazy thing, and they found Mrs. Moore as a reluctant babysitter. And here she is, like in her 70s, and we're like, I don't know, eight or nine, and wanting to tear up the house and carry on. And in her house, she had a big attic. And I think she thought, well, you know, they can't do too much damage up there, and it'll get them out of my hair. So she sent us up to the attic with some board games to play and things like that. But I got to tell you, Johnny and I 
not really content to play quietly, right? And so she yelled up to us a few times to be quiet. And so we eventually did settle down, but then we decided we'd go through all of Mrs. Moore's things. I know, I still kind of shudder at the thought, but you know, it's not like she didn't say we couldn't or, or that we shouldn't. And so here we are going through boxes of her Christmas ornaments and all the kind of crazy stuff that people would have up in, in a finished attic kind of storage room. And sadly, in this process, my friend Johnny broke something. And I was trying to remember what it was, whether it was a like a glass tree topper. I, I remember it was either made out of glass or ceramic. And of course, there we are with the broken whatever it was, horrified, right? Well, now my urge was, well, how are we going to tell her this? But I got to tell you, Johnny probably even more troublesome than me, right? His urge was, we don't say a word. <laughs> we just pack it back up and she'll think it was broken in some other way. So the day moves on, we're back with our parents, but about two days later, my mom gets the phone call. That Mrs. Moore, I swear she must have gone up to the attic and did an inventory of everything to figure out if we'd taken anything, or maybe she heard it break, I don't know. But there, my mom on the phone, and her face gets redder and redder, and redder. And I, once I know who's on the phone with her, of course, I'm horrified. I want to tell you that that was the day that a button got installed in me. From that day forward, anytime someone accused me of doing something wrong, when I hadn't really done too much wrong, right? It, it was actually Johnny that had broken the thing, right? Uh, she wasn't so upset that we had looked through some of her stuff. It was the broken thing and the fact that we'd covered it up. And so from that point onward, there was a, just this little piece of Larry that when he was falsely accused, when someone questioned his integrity, oh my gosh, right? The self-defense mechanisms would kick in. So that was a button installed in me probably when I, I'm trying to remember, eight or nine years old that is still active in me. And today, if someone mentions that, uh, that something is missing or, or, or something was broken, there's still that wounded little boy in me that's like, it wasn't me. <laughs> I wasn't anywhere near it, <laughs> right? And totally out of character. I mean, it may not even be something that's important to anyone. Uh, and, and still that urge to defensiveness. Well, now this, this is a great example of Shenpa. It's when I react, I scratch that itch, right? I'm responsible for both the itch and the scratch. It's like I dived right into the poison ivy or poison oak all on my own because it's in me to feel that itch, right? I'm not really being accused of something. Someone's simply saying something's missing, but immediately I take it as an accusation because that shenpa is in me, that itch is in me. And then what do I do? I get terribly defensive. It's like, no, it wasn't me. And the other person's going, wait a minute, I just said something was missing. I was hoping you'd help me look for it. This has nothing to do with you. And yet, and yet, that attachment to the way that I was then and what happened 
It pressed my button and I act out. So how do we work through these things? Because what I know is that's an example of a button that I recognize and, and I'm watching for and I don't react to anymore. I've kind of disconnected the wiring of that button. That's a patch of poison oak that I'm aware of and I'm not going to sit in anymore. But how many hundreds of little buttons do we all have installed? How many of us day in and day out allow ourselves to wander into the poison oak and still itch and scratch like mad? Well, I have some ideas for getting through this, but it's time for my Muller Rasnudin story for the week. As you know, it's the, the Sufi metaphysical fool, Mullah Nasrudin, and I'm using some of his humor stories throughout the month. So Mullah Nasrudin was considered a fool by many, but perhaps the wisest of fools. Many people would come to him for advice, and one day a young farmer came with family problems. Mullah, he said, my wife's mother moved in with us and is constantly griping and complaining. She gets in the way and there's hardly ever peace and quiet in the home. And there's no privacy for us. Well, Nasrudin scratched his long white beard as he considered the matter. And then he said, well, you know, your problem is not easily solved. But it can be remedied if you will take my advice exactly as I give it. Well, I will, said the farmer. Then Masnudin asked, do you have any chickens? Chickens? Well, yeah, we, ha we have five. Move them into the house with you, said Nasrudin. Well, the young farmer reluctantly agreed. The next week, the farmer went back to see Nasrudin, who asked, so how's it going? It's worse, said the man. Now there's chicken poop everywhere. And in addition to my mother-in-law, the chickens add their own noise. Excellent, said Nasrudin. Do you have a goat? The farmer nodded hesitantly. Well, too, he said. Even better. Move them into the house with you, said Nasrudin. Well, the following week, the farmer was back to see Nasrudin. What the heck did you think would happen when I moved the goats in? Now the commotion and the filth are intolerable. Perfect, said Nasrudin. Do you by any chance have a pig? Well, at that, it was too much for the young farmer. He shook his fist at Nasrudin and went home. He and his wife put the animals back in the yard while his mother-in-law worked hard to clean up the mess that the animals had made. And the young farmer and his family lived well and happy for many years. I know, some of you are going, what? <laughs> what kind of a crazy story is that? Well, what Nazrudin is really teaching is that life often presents us with a mess. Life is not what we would always want it to be. Life is always changing. One moment we're experiencing happiness and peace in our lives. The, the next moment there may be disarray and trouble. And what he's saying, of course, is to allow an acceptance of what is. Not to try to fight it, not to try to worm your way out of your own life, but rather to be okay with it. Rather to take it upon yourself to make the best of whatever situation is in your life right now. When we try to avoid what's happening, when we try to say, this isn't happening to me, you see, we're falling into that idea of being hooked on our life needing to be an exact certain way. 
needing to be exactly the way we would want it with our own definition of peace and quiet, our own definition of, of abundance or peace or what love looks like. And the truth is the universe is always changing. And when we try to get out of our own lives, when we, when we try to, you know, force the mother-in-law out or, or when we try to get advice for making things back the way they were, well, the trouble is life doesn't want to go back to the way that it was. Life is ever moving forward. So the way that we avoid shenpa, the way that we avoid getting hooked on life is an openness to what comes as it comes, to just the natural movement of life. Have you noticed that there is just a natural movement to life? Have you noticed that you are different than you were 20 years ago? Have you noticed that life keeps moving forward, that, that we age, our bodies age, that our neighbors come and go, that our friends come and go, that, that our families transition over time? Have you known someone that when their children moved off to college, it was as though a part was ripped out of their hearts? They were so used to having the kids at home, right? There were those hooks involved. There were those expectations involved that literally when that change occurred and the children moved off to have families of their own or moved off to, to college or something like that, it is as though the soul itself was plunged into that patch of poison oak. So how do we move forward in the natural movement of life? I like to think of it as just smiling and going with it. And I know that sometimes that may sound like a surrender, that when things are not going the way you like them to it, it wants to invite us to scratch that itch. It wants to invite us to act out, to get things back the way they were. But the natural movement of life will never take you back. It will always be an uphill battle. It will always bring about misery as we try to, to bring things back the way they were. Have you ever noticed sometimes that, uh, especially men in middle age, will act out in ways to regain their, their glorious years and, I don't know, when they were 20 or 30 and they buy red sports cars and, uh, you know, they start ignoring their families and things like that. It never works. We simply cannot go back in that way. Despite the, the itch that we're feeling, the answer, of course, is not to scratch. The answer is to go with the natural movement of life and just allow yourself to be uncomfortable. So back again to the advice that was given to me by that doctor at the campus at University of Oregon in the health clinic there, the answer to poison oak is to not scratch the itch. When you scratch the itch, it actually spreads the poison oak. You actually get worse. And the same is also true of Shenpa. The more you act out, the more you try to move things back the way they are, the more you try to control things, literally the worse it gets because you're going against the natural movement of life. And so the best advice is, is to simply stop, to take a pause, to take a breath, to breathe in and allow yourself to be uncomfortable. Allow yourself, almost as a meditation, 
to be uncomfortable. Say to yourself, oh my gosh, there's this big change at work. I'm feeling super uncomfortable. I'm feeling anxious. I'm, I'm feeling like there's, there's something I ought to do. And tell yourself, no, no. I am feeling anxious. I am feeling like this is a step backwards. I am feeling that negativity welling up in me. I'd like to lash out. I'd like to start finding blame, right? Some of those natural urges that we have to control the situation. Instead, I'm going to allow the natural movement of life to occur. I'm going to allow myself to feel uneasy or anxious from now because I know I know that it will pass. I know that three days from now, I'm not going to feel this heat. I'm not going to feel this intensity that this too shall pass. Now, how do we work this into a practice? You know, I think a lot of us, because we're, we're used to kind of lashing out without thinking about it much, we're, we're used to reacting instead of really thinking through what's happening to us right now. So here comes your homework. You you knew it was headed your way. Uh, Your homework this week is to install a bit of a filter in your mind. See if you can notice the times when your button has been pressed and you're just just ready to react to it. Maybe uh, you tend to have your button pressed when you're in traffic and someone cuts you off. Maybe, maybe you tend to have your button pressed when a spouse or a loved one questions the, the sagacy of one of your decisions. Maybe you, maybe you tend to have your button pressed when someone at work implies that maybe you haven't done the best job that you've done. I don't know what it is, but I do know that we all have buttons. And so next time you can sense your button has been pressed, just take a pause. Allow yourself some compassion. Allow yourself to recognize, I'm feeling the heat right now. I know that button's been pressed. I know my urge is to like tell off that person or to speed up in my lane of traffic and, and cut them off. I know my, my urge is to do something out of anger, out of fear, out of pain. And instead, I'm just going to allow that feeling to exist. I'm going to resist the urge to scratch. I'm just going to allow myself to be uncomfortable in the moment because I know that the moment will pass. So that's your homework for this week. I I wish you were going to be here in person next week because I would love to compare notes. This is often a very powerful exercise. Just notice yourself being uncomfortable with what someone has said, with what someone has done, with the state of affairs in the world, with uh, the way your neighbor has behaved, or, or with what something that your coworker has done. Just allow yourself to be uncomfortable, to feel angry or anxious. Allow yourself to process through that emotion without scratching, without lashing out, without trying to control the situation back into something that you would prefer. So that's your homework for this week. Well, I'd like to close today with a quote from Pima Chodron and a prayer. So this is from the end of her chapter. 
She says each of us can be an active participant in creating a nonviolent future simply by how we work with Shenpa, that idea of being, being hooked on our emotions, simply by how we work with Shenpa when it arises. How individuals like you and I relate to being hooked these days has global implications. In that neutral moment, that often highly charged moment, when we can go either way, we do consistently strengthen old fear-based habits. That's what will tend to happen when we want to scratch. Or can we stay on the dot? Can we fully experience the agitated, restless energy and let it naturally unwind and flow on? There will be no lack of opportunities and no lack of material to work with. It takes courage, determination, and curiosity to stay open and receptive to this negative energy, to the itch and the urge of Shenpa, and to resist scratching. Let us pray. There is one power. One presence, one life, one goodness. Only this one thing, I, I call it spirit. And what I know about spirit is that it is everything. Every person, every place, every situation, all of it, all of it is God. God in form, God in energy, God in our own minds. It is truly all there is. And therefore I know that God's love is my love, that, that God's beauty is my beauty. I know that the peace and abundance, the joy and the robust good health of spirit itself is mine. And because of this, I can resist the urge to lash out. I can stand in my own power. I can, I can stand in that knowledge that spirit and I are one and that there is only good for me. I do not have to worry about uh, the negativity around me. I don't have to worry about people telling me things that I don't want to hear. I don't have to worry about things happening that are not as I would like them. This is the natural movement of life. This is one thing following the other, and it will all move forward. I simply choose to accept my life, to live my life as best I can in love, feeding the good wolf, having compassion for others. I can simply allow it to be. And as it is true for me, it is true for everyone. Each of us has that opportunity to feed the good wolf, to extend our hand in compassion, to ignore the, the minor hurts and harms that are, that are sent our way, just recognizing that they too shall pass. And so for this week and the week after, I know that each person within the hearing of my voice takes that pause, that when that button is pressed, we do not have to lash out or react. We can simply take a breath and choose peace. We can simply take a breath and choose compassion for ourselves and others. We can simply take that pause and accept the love and the light, the safety and the peace of spirit itself. And so for this, I am grateful for this. I recognize in every person spirit present. So I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, 
And so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.